LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station. You're very welcome back to LMFM Sunday Sport. David Sheehan with you until five o'clock. Now, you may have read during the week that the Mead senior footballers have a new strength and conditioning coach. It is, of course, Niall Ronan, the former Leinster, Munster and Ireland back row player. And, of course, he's been involved with St. Column Kills, his club, since he retired from the professional rugby game. He was announced during the week, as I said, as the new strength and conditioning coach at Mead. He would have been on the sideline today in Park Taldon with Andy McIntyre and his men. So earlier in the week, I caught up with Niall and I began by asking him how this all came about. I suppose over the last couple of years I would have met Andy uh, McAtee over a few things with Mead and helping them out and uh, I went to a culture night uh, when they were trying to improve the culture a few years ago and Shane Horgan and myself went there and we spoke to some of the players so I would have been in touch with Andy number one and I obviously know Colm Nally uh, by co- uh, as he coaches in Colm Kills the year we got to the All-Ireland final um, so a few months ago I just got a call saying there could be an opportunity uh, there uh, as the head of strength and conditioning with the seniors and uh, I was very interested and because uh, I'm from Mead proud Mead man so delighted to be on board now One word you mentioned there which we, we read a lot a lot about in, in, in Gaelic games in particular but in sport in general in recent years is culture before we get into the, the strength and conditioning side of things talk to me a little bit about what what is what exactly is you know what do we mean when people talk about a culture what do we mean I think people have a kind of a fuzzy idea of what it means what what does that mean in practical terms and when you go into a county setup or whatever it might be a group of players and I know you're in a situation in your in your day job as well how do you go about you know changing a culture creating the, the right culture tell us a little bit more about that um, for me like, a culture is based in manners number one. Uh, you have to be a good person and understand each other and the people you're working around. Uh, obviously, being professional is another part of uh, culture. Uh, so getting your job done at the right way, giving good feedback, all achieving the same goals or collectively your goals are together. Um, I think they're the most important things in terms of the culture and as well as it has to be fun as well. You have to enjoy doing it and being in that environment. So creating that kind of environment uh uh, in work or in sport, I think that's what a culture means for me anyway. And when you went in to, to talk to the lads yourself and Shane Horgan, would it be a couple of hours? Would it be a whole day? Would it be a few different sessions over the course of a of a period of weeks or months? How, how does it kind of look in, in real terms? Uh, well, we were only there for one night and kind of uh, we were there for a night and we just gave some advice and certain things. But they have, uh, Andy's a very good guy called Peter Nolan helping them out, uh, who works on the that side of things. And uh, I was at a workshop a few weeks ago and uh, he's uh, Andy and his team behind him have created a very good culture and it's a joy to work with the lads so far anyway. Yeah, and I suppose because again, it's it's such an interesting area, and we hear so much about it. And I suppose the Dublin, uh, the Dublin template is the one that's rolled out a lot, and, and the players are always you know such fine kind of, um, I suppose examples for people to follow in terms of how they behave themselves. When you're in speaking to a group of players, um, are you giving them kind of practical advice? Are you, you know, recommending that certain behaviours change? Because I guess you you wouldn't at that point you wouldn't have known the players that well. So is it just a general thing? Could you give us maybe one or two practical examples of what you would have said? Uh, well, like I suppose I, I'm not the guy who implements the whole philosophy in terms of me, in terms of culture. But I, I when I, I got the job, I gave a presentation to the players and gave them some tips on what what they need to do to be a, 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 an intercounty player, how professional they need to be in terms of nutrition and their strength and condition and their the rehab and their extra bits if they're injured and the mindset they have to uh, get to in terms of being an elite athlete, which they need to be really. They're playing Division One now and they want to compete 
at the top table. So uh, they're the little tips I gave to the lads. And then obviously Andy and his team has uh, the group one where he's built over the last three years and is excellent. Yeah, and I guess, you know, people will be aware of your, your time in professional rugby with Munster in particular, where, you know, the Munster culture would have been something that would have been lauded in rugby circles. Is it, Would you have taken a lot of your kind of learnings, to use that word, from, from that Munster setup and brought that forward from there? Absolutely, yes. That's where I learned um, a lot of uh, my experience in sport came from the days in Munster. Uh, you know, the everyone's behind Munster, the players, management, uh, the people, supporters, um, that's the start. And then we have certain rules that you have to stand by, uh, similar to what I said before, and just working hard and doing it together as a team. And, you know, that's what Munster stood for and still stands for to this day and it will forever. And I'd like to bring some of my experience uh, working with some of my teammates and the managers that I worked with uh, over the years and hopefully uh, feed that down into me, GA. Looking at the, the flip side of it then, you know, we talk about the positive culture and we often hear the word, you know, these days, toxic masculinity or toxic cultures in different places. What would, you know, what would create a problem for, you know, trying to create a, a positive culture in a team if you've got one or two individuals who are maybe causing problems? How, how do you kind of weed that out other than just like kicking them off a panel? But is it easy to change people's, you know, mindsets and behaviours? I'd say it takes time. I'm only here uh, a few weeks and um, need need have been working for three three years with this, and it's going very well. So, in, in any organisation, it's going to take time. It's going to take time and to change habits for creatures of habits. And if you're not, you don't acknowledge them, then you keep doing them. So, uh, if the environment around you are doing things in a positive way, then you have to learn. And if you don't learn, and you're not willing to learn or change, then uh, it's time to go. You know, so I think that happens in in business and in sport, um, but sometimes that doesn't happen in, in business and sport, and it ends uh, badly. So it's just having the right people around to be aware of these things and uh, work in the right direction. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting area. All right, looking at the the uh, strength and conditioning side of things, which is of course what you've been brought in to do now. The first thing that occurred to me when when I heard about this appointment and I was thinking about you know what we were going to talk about in terms of your role. You're going into a panel of, let's say, I don't know, you could have 35 or 40 guys there. You're going to have lads who have finished with the county and were, were done with their club shortly after that. You're going to have lads who played with their club, let's say a few that were both lads up until very recently. So you're going to have a range of lads in, in you know, okay, all ver- in fairly good shape by, by comparison with most of us, but at different levels in terms of fitness, you might have lads come back from injury. Is it a big job to get your hands around, you know, the individual uh, balance you need to strike with different players because some guys are going to need more than others. That must be a very time-consuming uh, thing to, to get on top of when you come in first, when you're just getting the grips of the job. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, you're coming in blind um, in terms of what happened previously um, and where guys are at in their season. So lads could be finished in August and lads could be finished last week. So there is a bit of juggling. I do have experience working with inter teams. I've worked with Tipperary footballers and the Calera hurlers and Camogie teams. So I understand that just players have day jobs, number one. It's not like professional sport. So they, they ought to go to work. Some lads in college, some lads have finished their season uh, three weeks ago, four months ago. Uh, so we put them into groups and we start their pre-season in different stages. Then we have guys with injuries and we try and monitor them and monitor their, their gym programs. So it's not going to affect their, their, uh, their rehab load. Uh, and there is a bit of juggling, but look, we're honest, I have another guy in with me called Calvin Finnegan. He's a loud man. God help him. Uh, I'm joking. <laughs> but he's... Um, 
he's working alongside me and it's uh, the two of us together we need two people through this job because it's um, it's busy but uh, we're both really enjoying it and uh, hopefully we can uh, make the team a little bit better in the next season So at this stage would you have already sat down with each of the players individually or do you, do you put them in groups even before that how, how does that kind of work when you start off at the very beginning of the process? A bit of both, to be honest with you. Uh, so we'd have group sessions and I'd be there and I'd get face-to-face time and then some guys would be in Cork, Belfast, um, Carlo. So I mightn't get to actually speak to them face-to-face but then i call them and make sure they're uh, doing all the right things and all them players are also working with the nutritionists as well. Uh, Damien O'Sullivan is a nutritionist and he'd be on the phone to them and he's up as much as he can as well. So, um, yeah, we're working all together and... Um, and sometimes it's like, you know, it's remote kind of communication or sometimes it's it's face-to-face, you know. And in terms of, you know, that we've seen the technology side of things come on so much in recent years, even in terms of GPS trackers, most most counties have them now. A lot of clubs have them actually as well. Um, would you be implementing, you know, technological features in terms of monitoring their workload, players' workload, and, you know, seeing if players are going into the red zone, I suppose, if you wanted to call it that. Would you be yeah. keeping an eye on that as well? Yeah. We are. We stats force only came in there uh, two days ago. We had another monitoring tool before that, so stats sports are working with us now. So we uh, we would have uh, we'd be monitoring the loads of training um, and then trying to compare that with games and trying to figure out what we do during the week, uh, when we do it, and uh, how long we do it for. You know, and then it's a good tool for monitoring the players who are coming back from injury or the risk of injury if you're training for too long. So, again, yeah, it's it's an essential tool, tool for our side of things uh, to kind of monitor what we're doing in the gym as well. So, we, uh, yeah, it's, 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 I think all the inter-county teams have it now and it's, uh, it's a needed big time. As I said there a little bit earlier on, people will, will remember you from playing you know, professional rugby with Leinster Munster and indeed Ireland. Um, when you think back on your playing career and the training that went on, obviously even at that point, it's not that long ago, things were at a pretty advanced level, but... You know, would you have learned anything? Were there any mistakes made by coaches in terms of training, uh, or in terms of strength and conditioning over the years that you would kind of be be guarding it, guarding against now that you're in that position yourself? Um, yeah, well, uh, to be honest with you, I, I've, I was in the stages where professional rugby was evolving uh, from you know from the beginning to where it is now. I only retired a few years ago, so. Um, I was doing my degree course during that and that was towards the, the latter stages of my career when you know Professor Rugby was really professional. It was kind of semi-professional even though it was professional at the early stages in the 2000s. But uh, I learned an awful lot in terms of my own body, number one, uh, and injuries. And then I worked with some excellent uh, strength and conditioning coaches from all over the world. Um, and I learned little bits that I thought worked. Uh, and I, I'm bringing that along with me and Calvin to kind of implement that in with the me team. And would be would your would be anything that would spring to mind when you're talking about those little bits you've learned? Would be one would be one thing maybe you could you could give people an example of that um, you'd be bringing in. Well, like I suppose you need to be. Uh, so the strength and conditioning coaches uh, see the players face to face probably more than the coaches do. Mm. You can pre-season you're with them maybe four or five days a week, so you have to have a personality and you have to have a bit of fun with the lads and try and get them engaged straight away. And uh, I learned that off a guy called Adam Walters, who was the head of strength and conditioning with uh, South Africa, who won the World Cup there recently, um, uh, working alongside Felix Jones and. Uh, I'd be in touch with him and he'd be a mentor in terms of strength and conditioning. So he, the one thing I learned from him was he was like a stand-up comedian in the gym. Like he was hilarious, but mm-hmm. we bought into what he did and he he really engaged and helped the players and showed empathy to the players. Um, 
and sometimes the strength conditioning coach is uh, your shoulder is there to be cried on because uh, maybe they're not selected or they're injured or whatever. So, uh, you know, I learned that. That number one is, you know, have to get, get, um, get the lads to enjoy the training and then um, having professional um, strength programs, the young, play, the young players like that, a bit of variety to their programs, uh, the modern approach. Uh, so I learned that in recent years. I did some add-on courses to my degree course in strength conditioning and, uh, you know, the lads are enjoying that and have fun in the warm-ups, you know, loads of touches of the ball. It's not just mechanics, uh, which you do work on in terms of speed and stuff like that, but uh, try and create that environment and uh, at the end of the day, they're playing football. So let's have the ball as much as possible in the warm-ups and the I'm sure the players will be delighted to hear that. Um, When you talk about there, you know, you talk about the professional environment in rugby and you mentioned semi-professionalism there as well. The way the GEA has gone in the last, let's say, 15 years, maybe 10, 15 years, a lot of, you know, people are saying it's edging towards a semi-professional game of some sort. When you compare what's happening now in me, let's say, for example, or in the other uh, inter-county camps that you've experienced in, in your role as a strength and conditioning coach, where do you think it's at in terms of, you know, you mentioned there being with the lads four or five times a week in pre-season. That's pre-season. Would you have any kind of fear that the GEA is, at inter-county level, is just becoming a, a monster and it's it's going to be very hard to rein that back in and that maybe lads are, are doing too much? I know I appreciate the position you're in. It's probably difficult for you to say that. But just on a broad sense, do you get, you know, the impression that maybe it's gone a bit too far? Uh, no, I just think it's got professional. <laughs> You know, and you can feed that down into the club football end up even better. Um, it's, 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 the lads I've been working with in recent weeks, they're, they love it. They love being in that professional environment, getting the bodies in good shape, feeling good, looking good, eating healthy food, uh, and trying to compete against the best teams in Ireland. So I wouldn't think it's a bad thing at all. Um, you know, they don't get paid for it, which is crazy from where I come from in my in my previous career. Well, that's that's exactly the point, though, isn't it? That you're yeah, saying it's well, crazy, and that's that's what people fear right. that we could get into a position where, it, for for better or worse, that we could be in a position in ten years' time where it is semi-professional. It sounds like you wouldn't necessarily be against that, though. You know, you're dying the world yeah. GA man. Well, number one, it's a choice for the players. It's their choice. If they want to do it, mm. they can do it. And they're willing to do it uh, in spades, to be honest, in Mead. And we want to try and get Mead back. So, But if they wanted, if GA were willing to pay guys in 10, 15 years, I think that's a positive um, step forward as well. Um, but again, that's not going to be solved right now. But um, mm. no, I did, it's a huge amount of benefits. There's lads there who, you know, they mightn't be out drinking or whatever they're doing the weekends or they're focused on football and sport and their family and their life lifestyle so I, I think it's a huge positive and they're, they're in Division 1 now so their pro- profile will improve and hopefully we can um, do well in the Championship as well Have you been surprised by you know obviously you said you were involved with Tipperary before I'm not sure when that was or what the, what they were doing that year in terms of how, they, how successful they were but when you came into the Mead setup, obviously you wouldn't be a complete stranger to it but you know, have you been surprised by you know the the levels of of fitness or conditioning you found among the lads, or is it what you would have expected? No, they're they're in great shape. In fairness, and uh, John Coughlin, who's there previously to me for the last three years, has done great work, and. Uh, the lads are a pleasure to work with and they're, they're, they're at a very high level um, straight away, which is great. A few lads now might be new to the squad. They don't have the experience of pre-seasons compared to some of the other guys. Uh, but they're all willing to work hard and they're constantly on to me trying to improve. So I uh, know they're in good shape and uh, it's made myself and Kelvin's job uh, easier because we're not chasing, you know.
Just one other thing on this, because I remember a number of years ago, Brian O'Driscoll, I think he, he kind of mentioned the fact that he was very bulked up for a year or two and then he kind of, he leaned down a bit and he was a bit lighter. When you go into a squad of players like that, is it, e- is it easy for you with your qualifications to spot the lads who need to bulk up and then the lads that could probably do it like trimming down a little bit and, and losing a little bit of bulk and maybe gaining a yard of pace? Maybe explain that to us because I suppose that's a, for, for me it seems like a kind of a complicated one, but with your experience, is it something you can identify quite quickly? Yeah, everything you just said there just reminds me of my rugby career. I was too small and got too big and then had to drop down again. Uh, and then I went to play rugby Gaelic football and retired and had to drop it a little bit more. So, yeah, I do know how to spot it and I know how to do it as well as a player. Um, so when you came in, there were certain guys there that might have to, might be a little bit too big and we took them away from the gym maybe one day a week and altered their training sessions, did a bit more conditioning the nutritionists maybe reduce their, their calories uh, per day in terms of their food. Uh, certain guys that are young and we need to try and get them developed quickly because they're talented, but they won't compete if they're not physically ready. So we, we put them in the gym a bit longer um, and maybe keep them off the pitch in certain days during the week. Um, so, yeah, we can focus. And in fairness, Andy is you know is hands-on and he, he knows the guys and we work together to try and, to see uh, what's best for the for the player individually, and then how that's going to kind of bring that to the team. Then, just very finally, then on this, we we know the the commitments as players put in, um, but I guess for the players, they do their training and okay, they're watching their diet and everything else. But once they once they kind of pack their bags and go home, that's that's their kind of day done with in terms of what they're doing. And obviously, it's a huge demand on them. But for the likes of the management team and yourself as well, um, for you personally, let's say. How many hours a week do you think this is going to take out of your your time? Because obviously you're you're monitoring players. You probably have players texting you and contacting you the whole time. You're monitoring, you know, their statistics and and what they're doing in the gym and what they're eating and everything else. Is it a is it a massive uh, additional amount of time in your week to to keep on top of all this as well? It is, but I love it. I'm from Mead, and I want Mead to 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 improve and be part of it. So time doesn't bother me really. To be honest. Um, uh, my wife understands that as well. So, I was I was just about to uh, ask. <laughs> yeah, so I can manage my time with my own business. So I'm kind of managing my time. It's it's a lot of it's evening work anyway. Um, and when, I, when I'm in the office, I may put in a few hours a day for the mead work, but that's part of my other job as well. I can put hours in when I'm in the office as well. So I am busy, but I'm I'm enjoying it. You have to enjoy your job to do it correctly, and uh, I'm definitely enjoying it. And uh, we're looking forward to the games that are coming up. Yeah, well, listen, Noel, thanks so much for taking the call and the very best of luck with the upcoming year. I know you're raring to go and hopefully it all goes well. Thanks very much. LMFM Sunday Sport. Your sport, your station.